This is the Starcoach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 313. It was kind of that, uh, all I, the only frame of reference I had. So I had two years of work life after college, and the rest of it was baseball. And I had some success in baseball, but I also had flops and failures in baseball. But I took those lessons, and I thought I would apply them. Plus, what else was I going to do? I mean, it was, I should have gone, I should not have quit. The other gig, which was a good gig with nice people, and I had a pretty good track to get high up in the organization, and I just cast it aside. So I think it was almost necessity. Or I had a, a few friends at the time who were almost finished well, with a grad school mm-hmm. uh, here in Atlanta at Emory, and they were getting their MBAs. And I remember sitting around watching an Atlanta Braves game this time of year. Um mm-hmm. Uh, back in 91, and they made a joke at the table and they said, hey, you're the only one that doesn't have their MBA or is about to get it. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It is wonderful to have you with us. We have a great show today. We're going to be talking about how we get what we really want. We have to be intentional and planful about that. My guest, Tommy Newberry, is going to be sharing a process that not only we can apply to our own lives, but we can help our clients apply to their lives. So very excited about that. We'll talk about that more, and I'll introduce you to Tommy in just a moment. I want to celebrate November with you. Today, as the show goes live, we are wrapping up the month of November and getting ready to dive into the final month of 2022 and then get ready for whatever glorious plans you have for 2023. So hopefully you've been thinking about that. You have been engaging with with your life in the way that really helps you gain the goals and the vision that you have for your life. And that's why this show with Tommy is so key right now, because we do need to be intentional. We need to make decisions that help us move in the right direction. As uh, Tommy says in the interview, needle moving activities. What are your needle moving activities for 2023. If you have yet to visit the show, if this is your first time with the Star Coat Show, I welcome you. And let me just share that the Star Coat Show, Star is an acronym for Strategies, Tools, and Resources for Professional Coaches. Each and every week, we're going to be talking about something that either is going to strengthen your skills in your partnership with your clients help you build your business so that you can flourish and have the impact that you want, or use this coaching with leaders and organizations. We have three pillars of shows, and and with over 300 shows now, we have a lot of shows in each one of those pillars. So at any time, feel free to visit starcoachshow.com. And the shows are divided up in those pillars for easy access by you, depending upon what you're looking for. They're all searchable as well. And while you're on the site, please, you know, make use of the freebies that I have for you there. Get um, the guide from seasoned coaches who are in giving you their advice of what they know now that they wish they'd known when they first started coaching, and also communication strategies for leaders that I will tell you, I have worked with hundreds of leaders around these communication strategies, and it is life-changing for them. These are strategies that you can use for yourself. Uh, you can certainly use with clients as well. So visit starcoachshow.com and explore what we have to help you, in addition to the show, really create the kinds of changes 
in your life that will help you flourish as a coach. So now let's go to me telling you more about our spectacular guest. Tommy Newberry is the New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling author of The 4-8 Principle. He is actually the founder and head coach of Achieving Optimal, which is an organization focused on helping Christian entrepreneurs and their families maximize their full potential. He's the author of numerous books, including the motivational classic, Success is Not an Accident. And he's very good at appearing on uh, radio and television programs. So he has been on numerous shows and is uh, honoring us with visiting us today. He is, we're really going to be jumping into this concept of getting what you want, our clients getting what they want. We have to have a plan to do that. And he's going to very generously share his concept of chunking down time, creating action within those times that really do, as he says, move that needle in the direction that we want. This is a robust episode filled with incredible tips and strategies for you. So I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's go to my interview with Tommy Newberry. Tommy Newberry, welcome to the Star Coach Show. It is fabulous to have you here today. Great to be with you, Meg. I've been looking forward to this. As have I. When we had our introductory call, we were talking about so many different things that we could share with the audience. We might have been with them for a month or so. Um, however, we we worked really hard on figuring out what would create a juicy 30 minutes for the audience. And so today we're really going to be diving into how how do you go about really getting what you want? And do you have a process for that? Are you leaving it up to hope? Are you chasing shiny objects? And we're going to say no to all of those and, and talk about a process. But before we dive into that and all the great work you've been doing, I would love to know a little bit about the, the path you've walked to get where you are today and what really lights you up about the work you do today. That's a fun question. So Interestingly, right now, as we're talking, kicking off this podcast, I'm almost exactly at 31 years. Started coaching in October of 1991, and I called myself a coach to camouflage the fact that I was barely 25 years old and that I probably shouldn't be coaching. But I called myself a coach because I wasn't a consultant I wasn't really a motivational speaker, but I had confidence that I could help people reach their goals faster with my help than without my help. And so, but my interest in coaching at all grew out of sports. And I was obsessed probably to an unhealthy level from about age seven to almost 21 on playing baseball. And I, I ate baseballs, slept baseballs, dreamt about baseballs. And just loved it. It was a great, healthy thing for me, mainly healthy. So I learned the importance of fundamentals, of practice, of universal truths, of character development. I mean, I learned so much about life and business from sports that it just blows away what I learned academically. Helpful, necessary to a large degree, but the sports was really how do you work with other people? How do you take constructive feedback? Mm -hmm. How do you uh, deal with defeat, repetitive defeat? Um, How do you deal with off the field distractions, which is the Mm -hmm. same we could say, you know, today is personal distractions, but your clients, nice though they may be, aren't really interested in your personal problems. You still need to produce and all of that I really learned and metabolized in sports. So when I got to be the, that 24, 25, I was working as a consultant in a software company 
And I really was at a crossroads and it was like, do I go this way or this way? I was single, living in an apartment, didn't have many expenses, was making $27,000 a year. That was more than most of the people that I had graduated college with. Um, so I was in a good place, but I was just kind of eh about yeah. what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I had started studying sports psychology, crazy nerd-like in eighth grade because of baseball. Right. And so I thought, golly, I'm, I'm single. I have no obligations. I'm a free agent in essence. I shouldn't be just okay about my work. I can, I can, I want to be lit up about my work. Or, yeah. Yeah. I can move across the world. Why, why am I just okay? And, um, I remember, in fact, I was in a, a little bit of an embarrassing story, but I was in a, uh, on a fourth floor office. It was in an office building. I was on the fourth floor. I had a window. It was a kind of a nice office for a 27 year old. And I was looking out. Over the street, it was a Friday afternoon, it was about 3.30 and uh, about end of September. And I looked down at a Mexican restaurant and there were people out there enjoying the early Friday uh, fiesta. Yes. And they had these giant margaritas and I looked down there and I thought, gosh, I wish I was down there. And then I looked back at my IBM computer screen with the green background and the black letters. It was yes, the DOS. Yes. And, and I was putting in my time card, essentially. So I'd been in New Jersey the whole week with, with customers teaching classes. And I was putting in my time card. And I looked back down at the, at the people drinking the margaritas. And I looked back at the time screen. And then I, I did that three or four times. I thought, oh my gosh, why am I 25, when that happened, I was not quite 25. I was a few days away. Why am I 24, 25 years old and not absolutely loving what I do? So I finished my time card and then I left. I had all the time I needed for the week. But on Monday morning, I turned in my resignation. And then it was about a month later that I started the business that I've now been doing 31 years. And I started calling, I wanted to coach people. I believed that I could, whether the most of everybody was smarter than me, was further along in life than me, but I believe that if I stuck with them for 12 or 13 weeks, I could help them make more progress, kind of like a personal trainer for life right. than they could on their own. And I called on corporate America and it was a disaster. Uh, you know, I mean, I didn't have, I was young. Who who was I with? That was the, right. who were you with? Right. Yes. Well, you're looking at yeah, it. me, I'm myself, me. and I. All of us are here for uh, you. The, the table of one. Yes. And um, then resume. What are your credentials? Do you have a client list? And fortunately, I got a, a a friend of a friend referred me to somebody who never became a client. But they said, you know what? You're calling on the wrong people, Tommy. You need to call on entrepreneurs, small business owners. They will appreciate that you're taking a leap and a risk just like they are. Mm -hmm. And they might give you a chance, probably won't, but they might give you a chance. So I started calling on commercial real estate brokers, like one person shops, five person shops, same mm -hmm. thing with financial services, some restaurants, some restaurants, just any small businesses. And it started to work. And one of the reasons it worked is because I said, could I work with you an hour a week for 12 weeks? And at the end of the 12 weeks, you'll owe me $650. <laughs> and um, 10 of my first 12 paid me the 650. And the other two uh, gave me feedback that was worth more than what all the other people paid put together. And so I went back to those two people and I said, all right, now that you've given me feedback, it's good. I'm going to incorporate those suggestions. Can we do double or nothing? <laughs> you know, so 1200 bucks for the next I just got to say that you had such drive and deter and vision for yourself at such a young age? Uh, it was kind of that, uh, all I, the only frame of reference I had. So I had two years of work life after college and the rest of it was baseball. And I had some success in baseball, but I also had flops and failures in baseball. But I took those lessons and I thought I would apply them. Plus, what else was I going to do? I mean, it was, I should have gone, I should not have quit the other gig, which was a good gig with nice people. 
And I had a pretty good track to get high up in the organization and I just cast it aside. So I think it was almost necessity or I had a, a few friends at the time who were almost finished well, with a grad school mm-hmm. uh, here in Atlanta at Emory and they were getting their MBAs. And I remember sitting around watching an Atlanta Braves game this time of year um, mm-hmm. uh, back in 91. And they made a joke at the table and they said, hey, you're the only one that doesn't have their MBA or is about to get it. And I paused for a second. We were sitting outside watching a game up on the TV. And I said, wait, I'm the only one that runs my own business. And it kind of shut them up right there. Of course, they were probably about to make more money than me, but I had the freedom to mm-hmm. create the kind of life that I wanted. And that, that's what motivated me, I think. Um, I, I was driven. It wasn't so much by money. It definitely wasn't by money. It was driven by, I wanted to do something I loved. I was mm-hmm. impacted by a book. I remember the author's name, Marsha Sinatar. And it was called, Do What You Love, The Money Will Follow. I don't know anything about her mm-hmm. and I don't remember anything in the book. Except but for the, the title. title. The title of it was do what you love. The money will follow. And it, it yelled out to me and I thought, gosh, that just has sounds like it has truth. It, it's not saying life will be easier. Right. It might even be the harder path, but I followed that. And then I think if I had my, I'm all for people getting their, their graduate degrees and so forth. My dad had a PhD but my friends were getting their MBA. And I think had I had the knowledge that they had, mm-hmm. I would never have launched into my own business because I would have realized what a long shot it was and all the obstacles and how I was under credentialed. And so it's almost like I didn't have enough education to realize that I shouldn't step off the curb and try to run across the street. So I stepped off anyway. (laughs) And you ran as fast as you could. Yeah. Once the traffic starts coming at you, you just learn how to, you know, huck and jive. And all of a sudden you're on the other side of the road and they're standing on the other curb across the street. And they're, you know, looking down at their, their data and they're going, he shouldn't have been able to do that. Right. Right. And so a little bit, that was my, my advantage there. And then I just met great people, you know, who I think literally might have felt sorry for me. And so they gave me a chance. And then lo and behold, I ended up helping them. And then I asked for referrals. It just Mm -hmm. became a a habit. It was kind of tough. I felt a little awkward at first, but I said, I'd like to work with more people like you. Mm -hmm. Who do you know? And one person, I mean, it was only about eight years ago that we started having some good marketing systems beyond just word of mouth. I mean, we basically went a good 25 years, just word of mouth. I mean, I have, I have some books out that helped a little, but it's really just word of mouth. So long answer to a simple, short question, but now we're 31 years later and been just teaching this process, perfecting this process year after year after year. And oh, one, one last thing that I think has helped me, so I was 25. Most of my clients' average age back in 91, 92, 93 was 32, 33 years old. So I'm single and most of my clients, virtually all of them were married and mm-hmm. had kids. So I was helping them and coaching them, but they were teaching me far more than I was teaching them because they were five, six, seven years ahead of me in life. Mm-hmm. So I was able to see what was coming. I was able to see the challenges they're facing and then help them with those challenges, but they help me more than they, you know, will ever realize because I wasn't there yet. Well, and such an important lesson there that life is a continuous journey. So even for those who are listening, who are credentialed coaches or who coaching might be your second or your third career, uh, and you have amassed much life experience, unlike Tommy, who started really at, at the lower end of numbers of life uh, in this career, we still, there's opportunities to learn and grow every single day. I don't think we ever reach that pinnacle, right? I mean, if that, we that's do. Right. And you know what, there, Meg, there were no coaching organizations. There was nowhere mm-hmm. to, it really wasn't being used that term. Right. Um, I mean, for a while, I tried to call myself a consultant. It didn't seem to resonate because I, mm-hmm. I didn't fit the bill. 
But the coach thing was a, a light bulb. But even I think it wasn't until the early 2000s or late 90s that the first coaching certification, you know, the professional certifications uh, came around. Now, right. it's, now everybody knows it's a it's a household. You know, everybody has a coach for all sorts of things. It's a very right. common thing, which I think is great. It is great, but you're right. It's been an evolution. The, the International Coaching Federation was established in 1995. Prior to that, even 14 years ago, when I became an executive coach, nobody really knew, you know, what exactly is that? And at one of the coaching schools uh, that I'm on faculty, uh, the director likes to share the story that when he went to the board to say, we really should have a coaching program you know, half of the people looked at him and said, why are you talking to us? Go to the, go to the coach, go to the athletics program for this. And he's like, no, 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 no. This is executive coaching. So, yeah, um, love that, love that yeah. so within that, now you, you work with, you continue to work with entrepreneurs, correct? Correct. I mean, that's my entrepreneur and my niche is really uh, entrepreneurs and their families. And so they tend to be successful entrepreneurs we're faith based, you know. You, it's not a it's not a test to get in, but we seem to attract people who who really want to get to the next level economically without screwing up their their faith, their health, um, and their family life. So, really, a holistic approach to absolutely yeah. to being able to be focused in and create those goals and those and reach those dreams to. to yeah, it's, it's uh, almost like a. Uh, it's hard sometimes, even for me or my wife, to kind of quantify it, but it's like life coaching for successful entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So it's not just life coaching in general. Right. And we're not, we don't really target people who are struggling. It's it's almost like the good to great where if you've got the bronze or the silver and you want to get the gold with your business, but at the same time, you want to be a good, you know, strong family person and have your priorities in order and be fit and have the peace of mind from a healthy spiritual life, that's that kind of person that we seem to connect with. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So let's talk about some of the things that you do to help the business owners that you work with. And and in looking under the lens of those of you coaches who are listening, those of you leaders that are listening, many of you are entrepreneurs as well. That that concept of do you really have a process in place to get what you want, or are you sort of treating your business like a hobby? Maybe I mean we didn't; those weren't your exact words, but I'm wondering if that's that's sort of the intention that you have for where where we're going to start today. And you put a stake in the ground on where you want to start today. Yes, well, I think you know a business big or small, but particularly if it's a small business, which kind of is the driving force of the country or small business owners. So if you equip them and inspire them and unleash them, then it just really does a tremendous amount for the whole economy, you know, to get small business owners, healthy mind, body, spirit, but, but first and foremost, economically, Um, people sometimes, you know, everybody knows money's important, but it's real easy to maybe say, well, there's more important things in life. Well, of course there's more important things, right. but you know, if you don't have the financial resources to take care of yourself and your family or to grow your business, that causes a lot of tension and frustration. It's a distraction. Mm-hmm. So to a large degree, it's, it's kind of the oxygen of a great life. So there were years where I didn't put as much emphasis on making sure that I was focused financially, but it's really important because it your is. success blesses others. So for your own benefit, but also the fact that, that if you're coaching others, you're obviously somebody that wants to impact others. Right. And the biggest way to tell whether you're impacting others is whether your business is growing. The way we like to start is is making sure that you that you the entrepreneur you my client um, realize that the business exists to serve you the individual. So, in other words, I'm thinking first. I want to design my 
my optimal life. We call it a master vision, kind of that's step one in our process. And the master vision is what you want your life and lifestyle to look like a decade from now. And we have another drill that sometimes we do called the mental gym and it goes out 30 years. But I think the more practical mm-hmm. uh, time frame is a decade. And so I use this kind of interesting visualization. So imagine, you know, first of all, everybody watching this, everybody listening is better off than five or six billion people wow. you know, on the planet. Yeah. So, so we have a lot to be grateful for. There might be a few million people that are better off than any of us. Uh, and it'll probably always be that way. But imagine we go to bed tonight and we're very grateful for the life that we have. Good, good parts, bad parts. We're grateful for it. And we fall asleep with a sense of gratitude and we wake up tomorrow morning. We wake up tomorrow morning. We kind of feel a little bit different. And we start to notice as we go through the morning and the mid morning that everything seems almost perfect. Maybe not perfect, but maybe not even ideal, but it's optimal. It's getting close to optimal. And then we realize that it is actually a decade into the future. You know, by lunchtime, we figured it out and everything that would make us say that our life was optimal is now true. It had come true. When did it come true? While we were sleeping. Mm -hmm. So we use that kind of visual, go a little bit deeper, but it's essentially what can you describe? Do you know the what? Do you know what your optimal life looks like? So if I do it without the dream part, then people get entangled in how am I going to make it happen? Exactly. And so maybe you've got a more creative way to do that. But to me, if it just kind of happens while you're sleeping supernaturally, you wake up and it's there, what would be there? And then what's the success? What is that? What are those indicators to yeah, you? What does success yeah. look like to you? Relationally, mm-hmm. family, uh, character, uh, financially, enjoyment, fulfillment, the quality of your days. What, what does your physical body look like? What kind of energy level do you have? Who are the friends that would quickly come to your rescue at 2 a.m.? Mm-hmm. What does your family life look like? Where do you vacation? What, do, what are your routines like? Where are you creating these etched memories that will be remembered forever by the people you love? And so on and so forth. So we start with that as the vision. So if that's the vision for you as an individual, step mm-hmm. one in the process, what needs to happen in order to make that vision become a reality? And so then we go, okay, well, that's going to be largely your business. Your business, the success in your business is going to create the opportunity for you to live this optimal life. 10 years is um, a long amount of time, but it's not a crazy amount of time. No, I think about where you were 10 years ago. It feels like yesterday, right? Yeah, 10 10 years ago. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. So it's we work in three-year cycles and in our major program called the 1% Club. So we work in three years. So the 10-year vision is kind of cool because it's it's three three-year cycles. Right. And a buffer. Yeah. You know, I mean, we we really have the plans laid out, which is another good principle to be reached in nine years. But but we want to give a little wiggle room for those who need of, it. Yeah, wiggle mm-hmm. room is exactly what it is. And so then we begin from the end and work our way back and say, well, what has to happen? Three years is just so, so amazing. Everybody has always loved that. But three years is uh, 36 months, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 12 quarters, 1,095 days. And I challenge anybody, virtually any disappointing aspect of anybody's life, relationally, spiritually, physically, monetarily, can be corrected in, in 1,095 days. If you don't do what most people do. And what do most people do? Most people squander their time on things that are not needle moving activities. There are things that are, could be positive. If you're rare, you do positive things, but even then it won't move the needle. So there's a big distinction between high payback activities and needle moving 
high payback activities. So what are they? And so, I mean, I've, I've spoken to people that are, you know, earning half a million dollars, a million dollars, coaching them and or they're coming in and we're deciding whether it's going to be a good fit. So they've obviously figured a lot of things out, right. but they hesitate and and vacillate on what their highest value activities are. In other words, what should they be doing? And so the reason they probably come to me in the first place is they've had level one success or level two success, but mm -hmm. they've hit some resistance. And it kind of goes back to the old adage that what got you here won't get you there. Get you there. Right. So they're at a reset point. So they knew what the needle moving activities were to get them to where they are now, but they lost sight of it. Right. Or and maybe they're so different now. The di it's a yeah, different. Most likely different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'd say most likely different. And so they're, they've got this confusion and confusion slows us down. Oh yeah. A lack we of clarity. We yeah. spin. So yeah. a couple of things that you said there that I think are so key is the clarity of the end result gives us an idea of what success is going to look like, how, what we're going to be experiencing when we have that success. Then yeah. we reverse engineer into that. However, as we're reverse engineering, things need to change and evolve depending upon where we are in that cycle. And those are, I love, you know, that concept of chunking it down to that three years what are we doing in that three years? What needs to be adjusted and, and needle moving activity? I want everybody to write yeah. that down. Needle moving activity. Yeah. The, so if, let's see, if you go back down to the three years and, and I don't care who you're coaching, a, a first step in the process is to go way beyond the time frame that is currently in question or way beyond the time frame that the client is paying you for. Uh, there's all sorts of reasons. One is because it's the right thing to do to get them, get your client thinking clearly about themselves and their future. The other reason is it's much easier to retain a client than to go generate new business and a brand new client, the cost of acquisition, the time and effort. So the further down the road that you can get them excited about their future, the more likely they are if if we do our job to partner with us and to want us to stick by their side to help them get to the next level. Mm -hmm. So you want them to think huge. You know mm -hmm. what's what's the biggest goal that you could reach that you could reach that you see yourself reaching. Mm -hmm. And then one of the job of a coach is to enlarge that. So when I see my clients initially come in with what they thought was a big bold audacious goal and then 18 months later they've either reached it or they've upped the three-year goal, mm -hmm. then I know I've done one of my major jobs, which is, is I've upgraded what they think is possible for them. Love that. But if, but if you've got the three years, it's real clear. You go, if this is where I want to be in three years, where do I want to be two years and three quarters, two years and two quarter? And we drill our way down and then we get to the 90 days. So that's my second favorite time frame. 90 days. Wow. That's how many days are in 90 days, you know? Last days. I checked, it was 90. Yeah. It was, it was 90, 13 weeks. So just like the um, just like the the buffer of the 10th year in the master vision mm -hmm. with a quarter, I like to make my plan work around 10 weeks of a 13-week quarter. I guess all quarters, 13 weeks. And so then you have three of buffer. Mm -hmm. But most of my clients and most most everybody, I think, that would be interested in coaching probably is going to have a week off in there. I mean, right. So all of a sudden we're down to 12. So there's, you'd be crazy to have a, a quarterly plan that was anything less. I mean, anything more than 12 weeks. So you but it may even be less. So I just go, let's cut one off for vacation, one off for distractions and then have an extra, and let's just start with 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. That way, if we're a little behind, we'll have room to catch up. Let's make everything oriented around 10. You can even give yourself a reward that you could do something fun or take some additional time off. Or uh, for my clients that are married, we'll often have the spouse pick the reward. Oh. You know, the person that's married to the entrepreneur, we found that works really well. Hey, if I hit my business goals, what would you like to do that's only going to happen Hint, hint. <laughs> if you're so supportive and encouraging and understanding when I get home late or, 
you know, have to be distracted and so mm -hmm. forth. And that works really well. So the quarterly, then you get down to weekly. So three years, quarterly, weekly, and weekly, I saved the best for last. I think week, the, the process to do a weekly plan, that is the single most needle moving activity that I've seen in 31 years is the consistent habit of planning the week. We have a tool, we call it the weekly coach, but honestly, you could do weekly planning on a cocktail napkin. Right. And it would be very helpful to you. And the, the failure to do a weekly plan, uh, just damages the economy, damages one's personal finances, but it's, you know, a half hour to an hour every week. Pausing. Do you have a day that you recommend doing the weekly plan on? Yeah, either, either, um, it kind of depends. There's a couple of style or preference factors. But I'll give some pros and I, I, the bottom line is I think doing it Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, mm -hmm. or if you go to church, uh, a great time to do it is Sunday morning before church. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it works beautifully because you're fresh. Maybe the rest of the family is still sleeping and then you're off and you don't have to think about, it. you can enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, but you could do it Saturday morning, obviously. Mm -hmm. You could do it Sunday night. I, I don't like doing planning late at night, I, mm -hmm. energy, I'd rather do it. Right. I do mine uh, on Monday mornings early. Okay. But I think for most people, Saturday morning or Sunday morning is optimal. And we start with, um, with three key questions. You know, what went well in the last week? What didn't go so well? What are we going to do differently? We have a report card system. But, but the main feature is what are the three things that have to happen in the upcoming seven days for you to consider the upcoming seven days a success, a resounding success? And golly, I'm telling you that even very successful people struggle with that. It's they, they to come up with the three things. Yeah. They yeah. can show you a list, their list of tasks and items and people to call, but no, what, what, what are the three outcomes, the three targets that if you hit those targets, you can, when you leave on Friday or Saturday, whatever it is, you can look back and go this week, move the needle. Mm -hmm. I definitely moved toward my three years, which means I definitely moved toward my master vision. And what I found is most people are very fuzzy and blurry and kind of, I think so, you know, they're just not sure, but that's a skill. I mean, the weekly planning is a skill. So mm -hmm. any weekly plan is better than none. But if you've been doing it for six months, you're going to be better than the person that's been doing it for three months. Right. In knowing are those really needle moving activities and yeah. in being able to get that clarity about what are my three things. Right. Is that what and, you're and saying? I, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I would think, Meg, that I like I used to not be like this when I was younger. I wanted people to get it right the first time. But now it's just like, I just want you to do the plan. Right. And then, then in a feedback session, we'll figure, okay, those weren't really the three most important things. Those weren't but the we're building that muscle through that by getting yeah. out there and doing it and thinking that this is sort of like a coaching session. I just had a coaching session right before this where she yeah. brought an issue to the table. And within 10 minutes of talking about it, she said, that's not the issue. I thought that no wonder I was spinning. That's not the issue. This is the issue. And, and it's the, the same kind of, you know, I thought these were my three things, but now that I put them out there and done it, I'm learning. But, but sometimes you have to put the wrong thing down to have the aha that that's the wrong thing. So when I was younger, I would know it was the wrong thing and I'd steer them away. But now I realize part of the process is, You've got to let a client or yourself, you've got to let people come to that conclusion on their own. And they go, oh, that is really crazy. I'm 40 years old. I'm pretty successful. And I could not hit a bullseye with what are the three most important things that I need to accomplish in my week. And then from that point, now they're a, a hungry, coachable client at that right. point because they realize 
they they don't have some objectivity that they need in order to really get clear. And right. so, I mean, I almost feel like I'm a clarity coach. You know, I've never said that, but that is the skill getting clear that I think causes so much confusion, clear on why you're getting married, clear on why you're staying married, clear on how to communicate effectively, clear on what you're trying to accomplish with your workout. Because if you just get on the treadmill for 30 minutes, you know, may or may not make any difference, clear on what you're going to eat for dinner, why Mm -hmm. you're going to eat for dinner. Um, Clarity, clarity, clarity. I think the clearer you are without ambiguity, the more attractive you become. Right. I don't mean that in a, in a physical sense. I just mean no. you begin. You're more uh, magnetic just in general correct. because your clarity is is attractive. Not but if attractive you have multiple pieces yes. of stuff, even if they're good, I think that magnetic field gets confused. confused. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So as we're thinking about this process of getting what you really want, versus dabbling here and dabbling there. It comes down to what are the processes that you have in place around vision, around your three things? How are you chunking down your time? And how are you setting those targets at the end of each of those times? What have I left out that you want to really double click on? Well, a broader, if you had a broader brush, then I certainly believe in having, you know, long-term lifetime goals that are way beyond the 10-year um, time frame. I was with a client around lunchtime today, and we were talking about we're, my, this particular client's about the same age. And we were talking about, you know, are we at the halfway point? And I'm 55. Are we at the halfway point in life? Are we like at the two-thirds point? Yeah. But anyway, we both said, you know what, we ought to be just as productive and just as energetic 30 years from now. And then we we did that thinking back like we were doing a minute ago, about 10 years, thinking back 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, where were you? What were you doing? And and what we've accomplished. So, you know, I've got a almost 27 year old, a 24 year old, a 16 year old. April will be my 29th wedding anniversary. Been coaching. In other words, we, we often downplay what we've accomplished and right. diminish. So the highest level, I think, should be, uh, I call it the someday I might just want to list, S-D-I-M-J-W-T. Someday <laughs> I might just want to. Um, it looks like a different language when you lay it out. But this is a, a journal or a spot. You know, you can do something, you know, just as simple as this. Yep, just uh, in a notebook. Yeah. Ever, yeah, Evernote or whatever mm-hmm. you use. And whenever you get a thought of something you might want to do, you put it down there and that clears out your RAM. It kind of gets stuff out onto paper and and then you you attract other ideas. In other words, if we don't document or acknowledge that we've got ideas and interests and desires floating around, if we don't acknowledge them, then they clog up this, they stay there and they clog up the system. You put them down in a list that is a non-committal list. So that's the someday I might just want to. And then from that, you develop the lifetime goals. And then you get down to some nitty gritty, the 10-year, the master vision. But we don't do much around 10 years. We simply shoot down to the next three years because that's so tangible. You can see the finish line from the start line. I find that very motivating. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets an extra dose of adrenaline when you see the finish line. And then you take that three years and you break it down to 12 chunks. And then you take one of those 12 chunks and break it down into the 13 weeks. But I told you I like to shave off the three. Right. So it's 10 weeks. It's good to do the math on. And then the rubber meets the road on the weekly planning. Because I've done this experiment with some difficult clients from time to time. They dilly-dallied and delayed and procrastinated on the long-term stuff. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, this is a reverse order, but we're just going to start doing your weekly planning. So in other words, it... It was weekly planning without a long-term frame Perfect. of reference, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it shocked me. It's even valuable. Weekly planning is a great thing to do, even if you don't have any goals, but even if you just had one-year goals or you had no goals, looking at last week and then plotting what can you do to make the upcoming week excellent 
in your eyes, defining what that looks like, that's valuable in and of itself. Absolutely. And then if I did bring it down to answer the question specifically, kind of, but I want to show it in the whole flow, uh, making your days awesome. And that begins with what we call an EMSR. It's pretty big these days, but it wasn't so big in the 90s when we started. But EMSR stands for Early Morning Success Ritual. And that's where we want you to do something directionally, something that's mental or planning, focused priorities, do something spiritually, and then do something physically. To It doesn't have to be your full workout, but in other words, you take care of mind, body, and spirit, preferably before anybody else in the household is up. Um, it should be your own alone time. And we, we think that's a million-dollar habit. Um, we have some clients now, they're further ahead in their careers, but they won't even book any appointments till 10.30 or 11 a.m. So they take care of themselves for two, three, four hours. Wow. Then they work from 11 to 6, like a laser. They've, they've taken care of, of themselves. They've gotten a workout in. They've gotten great nutrition. They've gotten their supplements in. They've meditated. They've prayed. They've uh, worked out. They've done brainstorming. They've had time just to sit and be still mm -hmm. and listen. Then they go out into the marketplace as transformed humans, and then they just make that uh, a repeat process. And then we bookend the end of the day with what we call the NTSR. Sounds like a government agency, but um, that's nighttime success ritual. It's different than the morning. It's not as rigid. It can be done with a spouse. It can be interrupted. The EMSR in the morning, it's best if it's not. Mm -hmm. So the NTSR has two functions, very simple. Prepare yourself for an awesome night's sleep. Mm -hmm. And for many, many years, maybe two decades, I just left that to chance pretty much. And now I realize how important it is to be proactive with your sleeping environment so that you can optimize sleep. So it's not like the AT&T commercials where it's just okay. You know, you need to get right. good quality sleep and it takes setting up the, you know, if you want to go to, if you want to be asleep at 10, you probably need to be in bed at 930. And the second part, second reason for the NTSR is to prepare for your EMSR, to prepare for the next morning. So if you're going to do a devotion, you want to have your devotion open to the right page. Okay. If you have freshly brewed coffee and you want to do a half and half mixture, you need to have that set up. You need to have your mug out. You need to have, if you put MCT oil in it, you need to have it all ready. You need to have your vitamins out. If you want to review some Bible verses, you have them sitting out. Uh, we have a tool called the Portable Coach. That's the three-year plan. We want to have that right next to the coffee maker. You know, have a morning. So you just set up a successful morning. Everything yeah. that you know, which means you've thought about it in advance, which means you're going to increase your likelihood of success. Yeah, and no decisions. We don't want people making decisions in the first hour, really, of the day. But the first four or five minutes are make or break. In other words, what is your first thought? Are you, you know, I, I like to have my first thought either be, I believe something wonderful is happening to me today, or Go, going spiritual and saying, this is the day which the Lord hath made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. One or two of those. But the point is, is you decide it in advance. Then I get my earbuds in and I have mm -hmm. a, a playlist that is things that pump me up or inspire me. Then I drop to the ground to crank out some push-ups. Not many, but I have my goal plan right in front of me so I can look at it as I'm doing that. Then I have something in the bathroom. I have a bottle, uh, a glass of water with some apple cider vinegar and electrolytes, I can down it. So it sounds obsessive compulsive, probably is, but if there's a part of your day that should you should be obsessive compulsive, it should be the first hour of the day. And plan it all out because time goes like this in the morning. It's oh, crazy. it sure does. It, it's Other like, times, where did that last two hours go? Yeah. So if, you, if you're having to look for your earbuds or your exercise socks or right. a charger, you've lost. So if you win the morning, you'll win the day. And and then it just, you go all the way back from each day leads to the week, the quarter, the three years, the master vision. All of a sudden, you know, you're in a box and everybody's talking about your life and it'll 
you know, we're all going to be center stage at some point. Right. And it will have left a legacy. Everybody leaves a legacy. Mm -hmm. The question is, is it, is it the one that you wanted to leave? Wanted to leave. Yeah. So easy to get sloppy unintentionally. I love your process. Thank you for sharing your process with us. It's invigorating to even think about. It feels very doable and yet challenging, right? So, which is, I think, you know, we need that. Simple, but challenging. But but not easy. Right. And, you know, over the years, I've gotten simpler and simpler because, you know, fancy and better, if it's not implemented, is no good. If it's too complicated, has too many pieces, it's not practical. It doesn't matter how well thought out it is or not how philosophically sound. It's just not going to happen. Thank you, Tommy. So, Tommy, if people want to know more about you, the work that you do, what's the best way for them to connect with you? And we will have these links in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, TommyNewberry.com, just like it sounds, TommyNewberry.com. Um, uh, this process is laid out also in a coaching program, uh, Super Focus program.com. And you can find my books um, on amazon.com. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us and bringing your incredible wisdom and experience to us today. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you for having me, Meg. Absolutely. So I wonder, after listening to that process, what popped for you as your needle-moving activity? If you want to know more about Tommy and the work that he does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 316, starcoachshow.com slash 316 to get links to how to connect with Tommy. My conversation with Tommy does continue in the membership community. And if you want to know more about the membership community, you can find that information at starcoachshow.com. I invite you back next week as I have a dynamic interview with two women, Margaret Greenberg and Gina Greenlee about their incredible book, The Business of Race, How to Create and Sustain an Anti-Racist Workplace, and Why It's Actually Good for Business. This was just an incredible interview. Can't think of a better way to uh, begin to wrap up 2023 than with my interview with these two dynamic powerhouses. And I invite you back next week to hear more about that. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.